Welcome to Divorce Redefined, changing the experience of divorce with Cindy Stibbard. Cindy is ready to have those candid and unfiltered conversations so you know how to move forward in your marriage. You'll hear inspiring and insightful discussions surrounding this taboo subject to help you feel confident in your decision. Now, here's your host, Cindy Stibbard. Hey, hey, welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Divorce Redefined. My name is Cindy Stibbard, and I am your host. And as you know, on this podcast every week, we talk about all things divorce. And I am really excited to introduce you to my guest today. It's not often I get to have men on this show, so I get really excited about that because I really feel that that's an area that is lacking in our divorce space. Today, I have Rob Roseman joining me, and he is the curator behind WTF Divorce. Now, if you don't know what that is, you need to go and look that up on Instagram. And WTF stands for exactly what you think it does, what the F divorce. He also has a website called WTFDivorce.com, and he provides amazing relatable divorce advice, dating and co-parenting confessions, and a lot of funny memes on Instagram. He has over 59 million views, 119,000 podcast downloads, and has interviewed over 14,000 men and women who have said that he has truly helped normalize divorce and help them feel less alone. So Rob is a very interesting individual, and I'm excited for him to have to have you here, Rob, because you also have an interesting background. Not only have you gone through this path of creating this amazing platform for divorce, but you're also a former Las Vegas poker pro, which is very interesting. You are a notorious who wants to be a millionaire contestant, you are a co-founder of kickstartreading.com and an author of a five-star rated book on Amazon called Dad, The Best I Can. So welcome to the show, Rob. It's so nice to have you. Thank you, Cindy. I'm going to clip that. That's like my legacy in 30 seconds. My life sounds very, <laughs> very impressive. And what's interesting is I was just thinking about this, how you never know where you're going to be in life three years from now, whatever. If you'd have told me that this was I'd be recording a podcast about divorce when I wasn't even divorced yet. I would be like, there's no way I, I had. It's amazing what what happens in life and you just cannot predict it. I know. Isn't it crazy? I feel the same way, too. I mean, my divorce was five years ago and in no way would I have thought I'd be doing this. But, you know, I actually look back at my 10 year old self, saw me doing something similar to this. So I guess this is really it coming coming true and actualizing it, although it took you know, 37 years plus 10 to get there, but I'm so glad that it did. Um, you know, I find it so funny that I have never met you in person. And this is our first time. I mean, in person is virtual person, right? But you and I have been connected now for, I want to say maybe over a year when Daniel Harold first introduced us. And we have been messaging ever since, but we have never actually had a Zoom. We've never had a, a phone call. And this is the first time that we have had you on the podcast. And so I just feel like this is long overdue. <laughs> it's wild today how you can have like relationships with people that you've never met before. And like you said, it was about it. I mean, I started this whole thing a little over a year ago and Daniel was one of the like first people that introduced me that there is help after divorce. And that kind of just took me down the rabbit hole and finding content online, especially it was like during the pandemic when people were not even leaving their house. So, 
yeah, it was very important. I still think it's important to like, you know, I used to scoff at social media and think, oh, I would never use this stuff. But like, if you can find the right people to follow and to learn from and laugh with, like you can create real relationships that are maybe you didn't need as much when you were married and you had that tight structure. But once you're divorced and you're kind of like untethered completely, you need to get creative with with your relationships. You do. You do. And I think that just it there's a big community out there of support that I don't actually think even existed when I was going through a divorce myself. Like I really shut down social media thinking that it was an unhealthy place for me to be. And now, you know, if you really choose to follow inspirational educational support, it's amazing what you can find. And I just I find it so even therapeutic for myself when I look at other people in this space doing amazing things like yourself, like so many others, that I just love that we are starting to shatter the stigma around divorce and really starting to have these hard conversations that everyone was afraid to talk about before. So let's go into that a little bit and tell us about your story and how you got here to create this, because that's also something that you and I have never discussed. <laughs> yeah. So I moved to Chicago after college. I was a trader on the floor. I had the kind of just very competitive, uh, masculine job with a bunch of guys. I had a great run at that. Moved to Las Vegas to pursue a dream that turned into a reality of playing poker professionally. I had broke up with a girlfriend and said, you know what? I'm turning 30. When could I ever do something like this? Packed my stuff, sold my condo, moved to Vegas like, like out of a movie and thought I'd be there a year, ended up within like six months, met the woman that turned out to be my wife on a dating app, of course, um, had a really good career playing poker. It was very unusual. I was going to the strip to Bellagio and the win and these wow. big time casinos like every day, every night and making a good living, ended up having three kids there in Vegas um and so yeah that was my life and then right after we had our third kid my wife at the time got a big career opportunity in Atlanta and I was kind of burnt out from poker ready for a change I'd played 11 years mm -hmm. and said why not let's just go for it we'll start over I was starting to dip into the entrepreneurial world uh, started a podcast about being a dad called dad the best I can and was interviewing some really cool people it was a, a way to like plug myself into a new city. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was, it was a lot. And then 2020 came around and actually late 2019, I, we started having issues at home um, where I suggested let's go to couples therapy. Cause you know, again, don't know which way, which end is up. I'm like, we have three mm. kids under seven. Mm. I'm at home with them. You're working and traveling. I'm like, of course this is stressful who hard, yeah <laughs> who, who was doing this uh the right way but we quickly learned in couples therapy that um we were going in different directions and you know it was very amicable but we kind of just both decided we could wait three five ten years because people didn't really think there was anything wrong with us we kind of surprised people when we did say we we're getting a divorce but yeah 2020 pandemic hit started in like February and uh, we filed and I was like, is this a terrible idea? This seems like the worst timing ever, but we're both kind of like action takers. We said, let's just do it, rip the bandaid off. And three months later we were divorced and I was 
in a new city with three young kids and starting a new career, which I didn't even know existed. But yeah, basically like my life just completely got turned upside down and was now in a spot where I was like, holy crap, now what do I do? Yeah. Holy cow. That's amazing. What a, what a whirlwind to take you certain places during this, this, this time. And especially during the pandemic and then divorce. What I find interesting is what you said when you noticed things were starting to go awry in your marriage and you guys went to couples counseling, a lot of couples go there expecting that it's going to be, you know, repaired and go back on track. But you guys in there sounds like, tell me more about that. You decided together that, that, separating was the best was a better path for you yeah i mean i was kind of surprised i was like i'll take the initiative and say let's go to couples therapy because sure common story you're not sleeping together as much again you're like we have a baby and young kids you don't know what it is but once we went you know it was kind of like you both start putting your cards on the table and you're looking at each other like wow i didn't know that's how you felt and oh that's how i feel and and then it's like this thing where we're almost going through the motions, trying it for a few times. But I think we both knew it's like how much work it would take. And you kind of have to make this decision. Do I want to make this work or is there an alternative? It's funny. I remember we moved to a new city and our neighbor across the street was a woman with three daughters and she was divorced. And we would both kind of look over as like her kids would go off with their dad and be like, man, that seems like a pretty good setup huh? like <laughs> not knowing that it would be uh be us soon but yeah it was it was confusing because I've never really been around divorce either my parents were are still together and I just didn't think like we would get to that point but again it's like what is the next year going to look like what's the next three years going to look like we could be working on it have we just fractured this relationship where there's no turning back um and yeah, I guess we just both saw the writing on the wall and said, let's just go for it. Um, we'll both be able to figure things out. We were amicable. I think that was something I started thinking like, man, what does this look like in a year? Is this just like somebody starts cheating and then the other person is and then it gets kind of toxic. So I was like, maybe before this gets uglier, let's just take this leap. So, But yeah, it was very disorienting to me because I didn't know that like, this was really a thing. And mm -hmm. I think we might've talked about it before. Sometimes it's more confusing when things are pretty good. I mean, I remember in couples therapy saying, I'm like, yeah, we're at a five, five and a half, six. And I was like, isn't, what are most people at, you know, maybe a seven. So I was like, are we that far away? But I guess we both just talked about, we do want more and maybe trying to make it work is just not the solution that, you know, society might think you're supposed to do, but we were like, what if we don't? Wow. That takes such a really deep level of emotional maturity on both of your parts to be able to know that you could try this out for the next year and start to build those resentments and start to create that tension. And maybe like you said, start stepping out of a marriage because when things aren't being filled in the marriage, well, where are you going to get them from? Right. And knowing that maybe this isn't what you wanted, but maybe this is the best at the end of the day to be able to preserve that relationship that you two have as co-parents. Like I think so many people get stuck in that, well, it's not that bad. Right. And so it's not that bad or bad enough that I can go. But I don't think 
that it has to be that bad. And I don't think there has to be one defining reason or a bunch of defining reasons. It just could be that maybe you are just evolving in two different directions. And that's a lot of love and respect for the other person to say, here's where I'm going. I totally respect where you're going and we're not going necessarily in the same direction. So why don't we grant each other the freedom and the respect to be able to go and do that? Because you are going to be connected anyways because of your kids. And I can imagine that allowed you to get your divorce done in like three months is like record time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when you say it like that, it does sound uh, very respectful and mature, but I'll be honest, like, especially you're living in the same house, there's now money involved. Mm. It gets very tense. And look, I'll be the first to say for that first year, I was resentful. It just started coming out of me. You know, I think that's natural for anybody. I don't care yeah. how, just because it's such a new relationship dynamic and uh, you no longer have eyes into how the other person is living. You're alone a lot. So I think I took it, you know, also don't see how another person is dealing with their uh, grief. You know, I'm sure they're going through it, but when you don't see it, you're like, oh, you're out just living it up. All is mm -hmm. good while I'm at my, moved out to some new bachelor apartment with three kids in it. Like you start to, you know, only think about yourself in the situation. And that's where that resentment starts to unravel a little, that bitterness. And uh, I do think that's where, like people say, it just takes time. Like you, you can't really just cheat that. You can't skip that over. Mm -hmm. You have this moment of adrenaline, like I'm, I'm out there doing it. This is great. This is so mature, but you know, you're gonna, it's grief, right? You're going to dip back into these other feelings that as a guy, especially I was not used to. And my ego was definitely hit by the whole thing in a way that I don't think it really had before. Yeah. And I think too, that when you're, you're right, when we don't see the other person as they're grieving because we're no longer close with them anymore on that level, then it can be really hard to understand what they're going through. And there could be a lot of resentment. I mean, and no matter if you've decided also that this is the best path for you, it doesn't make it easier necessarily because you're still trying to come to terms with the fact that this marriage didn't work out as both of you had planned to begin with. No one gets married expecting that you're going to get divorced. I mean, that just doesn't happen. <laughs> really, I don't think. So it's always shocking. And even though you know in the end of the day in your heart of hearts that it's the best decision for you, you still go through that grieving process because you have created this life with someone else. And I do remember even for myself feeling resentment. I left my marriage too. And within two months, like, of course, my ex-husband was devastated and really upset and really angry that I ruined his life and all of those things. But then within two months, it's like dating up a storm and having a great time. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like, I really ruined your life. And I took it personally at the time because I thought, wow, I, I'm not special enough for you to be hurting. And I think I wanted him to hurt longer because I had hurt for so many years in my marriage before I decided to leave it that I wanted him to hurt too. But I think I discounted the fact that he actually was hurting too, but he needed to distract himself and and put the game face on, right? And go out and just live life because what other choice do you have? You either have one of two options. You just pick yourself up and you put yourself out there or you stay home like a turtle and grieve and you know pretend like life is over. So when I look back at that with all the growing and changing that I have done, I see now what that was 
about. And I see that he was the kind of person that I'm going to move on and I'm going to keep going. And, and that's, that's strong. You know, I, I think I would have liked to see him hurt a little more, but I think on inside he, he was because the fight still was going on in terms of the anger and the, the disagreements with kids and money. I mean, that's taken us a number of years to really get to a yeah, stable place about. <laughs> and we have like ups and downs about that too. But I would have to say five years later, we've finally come to a place of of amicable respect because there are also just certain things that you just have to let go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's interesting just hearing it. Like you do not see the other person grieve. So it's just in your head when you're the only one feeling like this and you only see them picking up the kids, giving the kids a hug. I'm like, Oh, life must be nice. You know, you just don't have this window into the other person's uh, life. And then like your ex, I'm sure I threw myself right into the dating world as a distraction, as a way to feel validated by women, uh, to feed my ego, just to like, feel like a, a guy again. And I think while that was good to like, not just be a turtle, I think, uh, women are a lot better at, I'm going to take a little time. I'm going to be by myself. I'm going to work on myself. Uh, I think women have friendships and like a community a lot better than guys do. And in turn, we end up just throwing ourselves into dating, whereas women take a little more time with it. But yeah, it is such a, it's so disorienting for your mind. Because again, you've had ex-boyfriends and girlfriends before. Chances are you don't see them or talk to them ever again. Right Now this person's like in your life, every day and their kids are there it's just like you i always say it's like going to kindergarten you have no idea what this what divorce is like until you experience it and the first year or two is gonna be rocky so i think like trying to share that with people um and not just dismissing the fact that like oh you'll be fine is very important to tell people what you're going through is painful and that's normal. Like you actually have to go through that to get better. If you skip over that part, it's going to come get you in a few years when you think you're in some happy relationship, but you've never dealt with your your stuff. Exactly. I think that's so, so true. It is going to be hard. And that's the reality of it. And knowing to brace for, for the pain and the difficulty that you just have to push through that to get to the other side. So in your situation as you were and now reestablishing yourself as a single dad, were you co-parenting half the time? How did this now morph into sort of where you have become now? Yeah, it was 50-50. That was our settlement. And we tried all the schedules week on, week off. I, within a month, was like, we have a two and a half year old. She cannot be away from mommy this much. Like, that's a thing dads deal with that moms don't. They're probably more used to that setup. Um, we switched to two, two, three, two, two, five, five. I still can't keep track of it. I'm like, I count my <laughs> calendar pretty much every month to be like, okay, it's 16, 14. It felt like it was 22, eight, but like, right. it didn't <laughs> out. um, but yeah, it was weird. I, I kind of wanted to move out because I wanted them to stay in the house with their mom and have that stability. And I was kind of also ready to be like, well, if we're doing this, I want to start over. So I moved into the melrose place like apartments and a bunch of sad divorced dads there and stuff and Aww. uh yeah i made it you know i made it work when the kids were there it was weird being in a small space with them but like uh you know i'd had a lot of experience like raising the kids i think a lot of dads and men get hit with the fact that like oh i got to do this all myself like that's a lot 
for a lot of men. And interesting because, you know, the their co-parent, the woman is like, yep, see, it's pretty hard. You can't figure it out. But you also want your kids to have have it good over there, too. So it's very confusing for, uh, I'm sure, both both sexes. I can remember one time early on, uh, their mom was like on a trip, a girl's trip in like Utah. And my daughter, who was barely three, had like an ear infection. So she was up all night one night. And then the second night, I want mommy. And like, I remember like calling her and just being like, what are you doing? Like, you need to, you need to be here. You need to help. And she, she didn't know this. She's like, Oh, you're freaking out. And I was just like, how do you not see that? Like, this is not normal. But of course, like we talked about before there, we're living in our own worlds when we're not with our kids. So that was like, you know, and that, that was helpful to even vent to her and say like, look, when it comes to like health stuff, you got to be on call. You got to be ready for this because I cannot handle all this on my own. So there were some hiccups like that. There still are when I even see like kids baseball practice at 530, other kids baseball practice at seven across town. I'm just like, mm-hmm. I don't even know how this how this works. So I called her. I'd be like, you got any ideas? You know, I don't know. I don't know. So even now, three years later, like I still run into times where I'm just like, this is very complicated, but, uh, you know, you just learn, you got to give yourself some grace. There's going to be some mispractices. There's going to be some upset kids. And that takes a, a little time to just realize like your, your bandwidth is kind of limited. So you, you do the best you can and like people are going to be upset, but you do have to come back to like, what's good for me and what can I do? And, you know, that's something that I think divorced parents go through a lot of like guilt like that. Um, they're not doing enough, but at the same time, you end up abandoning yourself and that's where you can get into trouble when you're just doing something for everybody else and not yourself. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I'm still working on, you know, all these things just even a few years later. Yeah, I think that's so true. I think we we are hard on ourselves because we think we can pick up all the slack for the for two parents. Because sometimes we feel and we're a situation where one spouse works a lot out of the home. We feel like we already are. But then we forget moments like that where now you have, you know, kids needing to be in two different places at the same time or right after each other. And how does this actually work with one person at at the helm, right? And I love your approach because I think a lot of people can get stuck into this this fight with their ex-spouse about how to do it or what to do, or we're overscheduled, or you have scheduled this on my time and we're not doing this activity. But to throw it to your your ex-wife and say, do you have any ideas? I think we don't, we discount, you know, the collaboration that we could have with our former partner. They are our co-parent. And even though we want to be in control and everything that they say is wrong sometimes, so we think we can twist, turn it around and really empower them to work with you. You know, if you're struggling and you don't know what to do, then throw it back at them and say, hey, what do you, what do you, what do you suggest here? Because they're going to have to go through the same thing too. So how are you making it work for you? Because it's okay to be vulnerable and say, this is not working for me over here. And I'm, and I'm kind of struggling because I think we want to be hero, right? Yeah. In our situation. Yeah. That was one of the biggest breakthroughs I had as I was getting divorced. I think I had just read uh, that Chris Voss book, uh, Never Split oh, yeah. the Difference. Yeah. I love and that. Big on talking about 
like negotiation and persuasion in these things that are very important when you are divorced. I even told him, I was like, you should be writing a book about this because how you communicate these things in particular, like the first four words that you use can change the entire dynamic of, a uh, you know, how that person interprets it. So if it's like, you need to be here, Cindy, because I, all of a sudden you're defensive and we're fighting and they're like, I don't want to do that. But when I, you know, learning from the book, it would be like something like, uh, how do you want me to do that? Or would it be a problem if you picked up the kids after school today? You know, just little like tweaks to the sentences that I'll be honest, I like copy paste them on my phone and use them again. Because yeah. uh, people do want to help if you present it in the right way. And naturally, especially when we have these resentments and bitterness baked into us, understandably, it's not always going to come out in a productive way. So you've really got to like take a minute, arrange how you're going to say something and get a lot of practice and repetition into like, what, how can I convey this? So they want to help me instead of like, you know, just pinning it on them. And that is, it takes a lot of practice, you know? Oh my gosh, is it ever like language is so powerful. And if we still come from that place of throwing out accusations or, you know, those you statements, people are going to get defensive. Of course they are. A lot of times people are reactive because of how it's been presented. So if we are noticing that our ex-spouse reacts constantly, I think it's a really good indication of how am I presenting this? Am I coming across really aggressive? Like, what about me? But I don't think a lot of people take that time to think, how am I contributing to this situation? And what's my role here? But that does take a lot of self-work. I mean, even me, I didn't think so either. Like, of course, when I got divorced, it was all his fault, right? Even though I was leaving. <laughs> but, but over time, you look at yourself and you think, wow, there are so many ways that I contributed to this. And even getting rid of our conflict now post-divorce co-parenting, there were a lot of ways that I had to shift my perspective, even shift my language when interacting with him so that I wasn't creating an issue out of a non-issue. Yeah, you have to learn. I imagine the end of most marriages, the communication is probably the worst thing going. So, yeah. or it would be, you know, in my case, I'm sure a lot of people I've talked to, it's not even worth having this conversation. I'm just going to do my thing and the other person's going to do their thing and like we'll just be passive aggressive about it. And now ironically, when you break up, you now have to figure out communication, which is very like confusing cuz like I thought we're done with this. Now we have to like go to, you know, learn about how to communicate with each other. It's it's something that I I didn't think I would need to do and you know, again, like selfishly, you have to think how can I get if what's the end result that I want here? Mm -hmm. um, and it might seem manipulative. Like sometimes even my ex will write something where I'll be like, touche. I see what you did there, you know, right. <laughs> but it worked because I was like, you know, maybe saying something like I'm probably going to sound like a total jerk here, but you know, would you mind taking the kids today versus like, Hey, can you take the kids today? Because I got something going on. Like those two sentences, mm -hmm. they're received so differently um, so really just like having to study and learn these things and try them out is, is very important. And yeah, you're probably not that, uh, well-versed in it because you're coming out of a marriage that was pretty dysfunctional. Yeah. You're so right. If you weren't communicating in the marriage, you'll be shocked at how much you need to communicate after it yeah. really is actually quite, it's critical to learn those communication skills. 
So as you continued on as, you know, single dad, how did this WTF divorce idea spawn? So as I was, you know, figuring things out, I found myself on Instagram more than I was and uh, Clubhouse, actually, this audio mm-hmm. app. Where I remember I was, that, yeah. I was hearing people talk about divorce. There were these rooms where there were men in particular, like Daniel, that were like talking about what it's like. Dating was a very, that's usually where most men figure that figure out about divorce because dating is where we're spending our time. And then, you know, they start talking about divorce as well. So I was just like, holy crap, this is, there's a lot of good content out there and people that were sharing things that like, I don't think most people knew about, you know, most people are not even on Instagram or TikTok. We assume everybody knows who Michelle Dempsey is. Nobody has heard of these people for the most part, unless you're like are in that world. So I was kind of like figuring out what I want to do next. You know, I was reinventing myself. I had a popular dad podcast that was going well, but I was like, huh, it seems like there's something here where there's this massive problem that personally I was going through and I knew everybody must be. And the market is just growing every day. There's look, half of marriages end in divorce, right? So like this must be millions of people. So I thought the problem I found was like finding all of this helpful content. So I thought, what if I could like curate it? What if I could pull from Daniel and from Cindy and from like Michelle and just put it into one place? My first thought was like, let me start a podcast and interview these people. And the Instagram kind of came alongside it where I was just like, make it easier for people to find the help that they needed. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, just like, you know, in the beginning, it does start very slow, but it really took off quicker than I thought, especially when I like injected the humor, which is like what what I really enjoy. It's my creative outlet and found like, if you cannot laugh about this stuff, you're going to be crying a lot. So just always like uh, experimenting, but finding new helpful people, showcasing their work. And uh, it kind of like built a lot of momentum and it started to build kind of a community, which surprised me, but was also very, especially coming from like careers where I was basically just trying to make money, like trading and poker. I was very competitive dog eat dog. This was a way to help people. And it was fulfilling in a way that really like fed me which was especially important after divorce. Yeah, you're truly serving other people in this space, which is what I really admire about you too and really love that you are out there creating something for yourself as well, but you are so good at lifting other people up in this space to shine. You know, sometimes when we're all building businesses and we're trying to find our niche and our spot after divorce because there's a lot of pressure to do that, you know, figure it out and find your avenue, And sometimes there's this element of, you know, competition when we're all trying to be something in this space. What I love about you is that you're just all bringing us together on this platform to build us all up as individuals because we all are serving each other. And we're all just here to help serve all of you out there who are going through hard times. And I think it was like that for me too, finding this it was kind of crazy. I never would have thought in a million years I'd be doing what I'm doing on a podcast, helping people through divorce. And it truly is what I always knew my underlying value was, was to serve others. I mean, I was a teacher in my former life before I had kids. And so that element of it was there, although I knew that wasn't my true calling. But this all of a sudden 
was like, wow, it took divorce, hey, to find out my true calling. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's incredible. And I did find that people, I was a little worried, like, oh, are they going to be competitive? No, I only want you sharing my stuff. But people are like, look, there's millions, there's plenty to go around. The reality is, it's like, we need to educate people that uh, this stuff exists. And, you know, like some people might not want to listen to, this might not be their kind of person, but they'd rather hear from a, a guy or a different woman or this topic. So there's, there is so much. And I was very impressed by how collaborative everybody was. I really have had nobody say, you know, don't, you're sharing this person's stuff. Why? Like everybody's like more the merrier, you know, it's very important to, it, it seems like once you're divorced, there's almost like this camaraderie, like yeah. we've been through battle, we've been through war in some way that We're bonded now, like yeah. uh, lift people up. You know, I, I even when I find guys that are going through it, I'm like, listen to this podcast. And there's like a camaraderie that I haven't seen. I mean, I guess pa new parents have that on some level, but you know, divorce is, it is in some ways like becoming a parent, but it's a lot more traumatic. So mm -hmm. I think you, it's very important to find people to, you know, walk this, this journey with. I agree. I completely agree. So let's talk about that for a second. Cause I do notice, and I struggle with this a lot because I want to be able to reach you know, more dads, more single dads, because I find that they're not supported as much as I think they need to be. I do think a lot of dads get the short end of the stick. I work with couples and they aren't out and get the help that they need, you know, and I think um, they deserve it too. So it's really, really important to be able to have this community for men and encourage them to start coming out and seeking help and getting these resources. How have you found this? And especially as a, you know, a single dad after divorce, how do you find it being a man in this space? And how do you encourage other men to start to, you know, reach out, speak out and get the help they need? Yeah, it's very, it is harder. I mean, I initially wanted to start this for divorced dads. And I quickly learned like the audience is probably 75, 80% women and 90% of it translates to both. Um, but yeah, I have seen uh, guys, they maybe lurk a little bit more. They're not as active sharing, but yeah, I think it's one of the biggest issues is like guys, I mean, look, 80 to 90% of uh, divorces are initiated by women. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, guys are usually, like you said before, you probably were grieving your marriage ending a couple of years before it actually ended. Whereas guys, we kind of think, eh, this is just being married. It just kind of sucks. So when that <laughs> happens, it hits us in a harder way where our egos are hit. People are like, what happened? We kind of close off. Our friends are like, hey, sorry, man. Let me see who you're looking at on the apps, Like, which is nice on some level but we're missing this like we're still vulnerable we're still people that are hurt we there is no real support system i think for guys we're less likely to reach out maybe we'll go talk to a therapist which is very important but um i think that's like one of the biggest challenges for guys is like my friends don't want to talk about this my family they maybe they support me but they're kind of bad mouthing my ex like we're kind of in this like purgatory where we don't know what to do. So I think it's important to uh, normalize it and say like, look, you're going through something too. Other people are, and then slowly they'll dip their toe in and maybe like I'll get 
DMs on Instagram saying like, oh, thanks for sharing that. I'm going through that too. I didn't know anybody else was. But we are way behind women, I think, in a lot of ways. Um, just like feeling our feelings and knowing what to do. Mm-hmm. And as much as the woman is happy to not be married to this guy anymore, in most cases, they're raising their kids. So yeah. it's like, it's a weird thing where women, they probably do want your your ex to be his best self in some ways. You don't, you know, it's like a, it's it's important, I think, for women to kind of support their ex in ways, even if it's just because like, I want my son to have a, a better role model. Sometimes you can't control that. And sometimes you just have to let go of that hope. But in some way, we are all in this together, even though we are, you know, fractured apart. Yeah, I definitely agree with that too. I think that it is different on men and men process emotions differently on a general. I mean, we're just not the same at the same at the end of the day, but there are some very emotional men out there too. And I like to see, I'd like to see it more that men don't have to have this, you know, what they say, toxic masculinity cape that they need to wear all the time. Like they can be soft and it is okay. And in fact, it's also very attractive for a woman to see a man emotionally attuned and into their feelings um, and, and getting the help that they, that they need. When I want to go back to what you said about, you know, when men are in marriages, because I do think this is also, this is very common when women contemplate divorce, typically the stat is we think about it for an a minimum of two years before making any decisions. And I mean, I've worked with women. I took me five years. I've spoken to women, work with them that are still on the fence. And it's been way longer than that. Like literally sometimes even at the very beginning, but here they are still in it for a variety of reasons. Where men, like tell me from a man's perspective, you know, you know, maybe things aren't going that well. But does it weigh on you as much? Are you thinking about it? Or is it sort of just like, well, this is sort of my box that I've ticked. I need a wife. I need a family. I've got the kids. It's not like perfect, but it's not something you dwell on and you're looking at, you know, life or career or whatever. You know, how is that separate or different for a man? Yeah, I mean, you nailed it. I think uh, if you really ask most men, and it's funny, I've asked like a couple of friends where they're like, see what I'm going through. And they're like, I could never do it. I'll just move into the basement and she'll get a, I'll get a mistress. She'll get a guy and we'll just like go on with our life. (laughs) The reality is, is like marriage. And I've learned this is built for men in a lot of ways where a crappy marriage, maybe we're just more okay with discomfort or we just like, don't know our needs as much, but uh, yeah, we'll just sit in it. You know, I think like the the pain, the expense of a divorce is enough to be like, eh, I don't want to deal with it. I'll just go sleep on the couch. You know, like maybe that's how people are already living in their marriages. Maybe that we don't talk to other guys to know how our relationships are really like. Women are probably having these conversations. I haven't slept with my husband in two months. Is that normal? Oh, I haven't. Like you're talking about it. Guys are, we don't talk about any of that stuff for the most part. Like we talk about sports and, you know, our guy things. And, you know, maybe they're friendships, but they're very rarely uh, go into like relational talk. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, I think men are just like, you know, even me, I was in it. I was like, isn't this the way it is? Like, we got three young kids. Is it the marriage? Is it the kids? Like, we just moved to a new city. We've got new careers. Um, Yeah. So I think women are figuring this out a lot earlier and men are just kind of left like, whoa, this is I didn't know it was this bad. Or what happens to a lot of us, like somebody's cheating. And the reality is, is like, 
cheating stings for sure on both sides, but it's usually a symptom of like somebody just wants out or they don't know how to have a hard conversation. So just catch me with this person or I'm going to leave, you know, it'll put me out of my misery. I don't even think men in general, I bet if you pulled them, we'd probably rather while it hurts our ego and I've dealt with this, like we don't even want to be the breaker uppers usually. I think in some ways like just, oh, you no, oh, I acted badly. Well, then, you know, what are you going to do? Leave. So I think there's all of these weird dynamics where we've probably never even seen or talked about relational health that like we're just kind of like go into our little bubble and wait until it gets so bad that, you know, the woman's had enough. I think that's a really common thing. And it's, you know, disturbing in some ways. And it's something I, man, I want to teach my kids, my boys, like, you know, you have to express your needs. You have to like have uncomfortable conversations because or else you're, you know, and men also, they're going to get, they're probably more quickly to remarry. It's going to be the same exact dynamic. I don't care how hot that person is in the beginning. Like, you know, in a year or two, it's going to get back to that. You want to go through this again and again. Yeah. So, so yeah, I think it's like a very untapped topic that uh, guys, I don't even think we really think about it. Yeah. And let's talk about that too. What is the difference like men getting remarried so fast? Because I know that that is a very clear stat. The research shows that this is just what happens. There's not a lot of processing, even if you were left or if you, you know, you did the leaving, um, which is lesser in most cases of divorces, but it is very quick. Even if you were the one who was left, it's so fast to get into another relationship and then make a massive commitment. Like, we're getting, we're moving in together and we're, we're getting married and we're blending families. And this is just like my new trajectory. Like, I remember talking about this with even my ex spouse. He's like, well, all I want is that family unit. And it was almost like, he didn't really care who was with (laughs) as long as it was someone else. And he's created that now. And I was like, but really that person, he's like, it doesn't matter. I always wanted this. I wanted this with you, but now I don't get that. And so I need to create it. And so I'm just going to create it with her because she wants it. So, okay. And almost sometimes it breaks my heart because I'm like, wow, it's almost just like a box that you need to tick. Like, how about the passion or the, like, I'm so opposite that way. Like, I am not looking to fill a husband box or, you know, blended family super quick. Like, I have a partner, but we haven't, we don't live together and I'm super, you know, independent on my own, but it's, that's what I need. And I don't know, that's not what everyone needs, but I think women, like, like we said earlier, we need to do more of that exploring I felt so much that I know I was with my ex-husband for 26 years. Like I didn't even pay my own bills. Like I felt like I was still a kid by the time I was in my forties because I had no responsibility. And so for me, and I know a lot of women that gets, that's scary and they think, Oh God, I need to get into another relationship or married so that I can have that taken care of again for me. But for myself, I'm like, oh God, I need to grow up. I need to learn how to pay my own bills. I need to budget. I need to struggle. I need to like do all these things because I have never had that chance to do that by myself. And I think the more I can spend doing that for me, first of all, I think it's better for who I will become and who I am in any relationship. And I want my kids to see that I I don't need to be dependent, especially as a woman, on a man for your financial well-being, for for any kind of well-being. You know, you choose a relationship because you want to be with that person, not because you need to, and you don't need to move to, in together, even though financially that could be better. It's not a requirement. And I think for me too, I, I need this time to learn, I'll get, you know, rid of old patterns, learn myself and 
do relationships maybe in in a, in a modern way instead of jumping into the the same old married like relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think guys just. I mean, I imagine logistically, just the responsibility is like, I cannot handle my job and the kids and whatever. So they start dating quickly and you meet somebody that's pretty good and, you know, fills that void and maybe they're looking for, for something like that. So I think men are, yeah, they, I could, I understand why a lot of guys just get married quick because they're like, I cannot handle this. I do want that little box checked so I don't have to worry about it. Maybe most men don't even know what like a really passionate, healthy relationship even looks like. So to them, I will just find another that's like that. In the beginning, it will be. And then it'll like, you know, go down the same path. But uh, yeah, I think, you know, the other thing I think about too is just like dating is very, dating and relationships. Like how you even get into getting married in the beginning is usually Mm. you date, you start sleeping together, things are really good. And then look, you're probably on the trajectory of like, we're probably going to get married or we're going to break up. And in a lot of ways, breaking up is harder than getting married, especially Mm -hmm. for men. So I think uh, it just kind of like goes down that path. And it's like, oh, and we're engaged now. And we got married and people are like, what the hell? That's crazy. But yeah, I don't I just think a lot of it comes down to like a lack of experience. Like if you look at people, they probably only had two or three, maybe max long-term relationships in their life. So mm-hmm. and they're probably modeling it after their parents, who let's be honest, a lot of that generation are not the healthiest either. So I just think a lot of guys in particular, we just we don't know any better and we're just gonna like find comfort and just settle there. Whereas it seems like women are like no, I do want to like carve out my own life and figure out my own things. And I'm getting my fulfilled from my friends and my hobbies and these other things that guys in general, we're not as uh, proactive about doing. Mm -hmm. So we're probably quicker to just settle into something. Yeah. And usually we settle into it pretty quick, especially, you know, after divorce, two to three years, you're making already that massive decision to move in because you feel like, well, I know this is great. But when it's great, of course it's great, but you need to go through some pretty not great to know whether or not you guys can withstand the test of time. You know, there's that difference between chemistry and compatibility, like chemistry is going to keep you connected and excited on that physical and even, you know, intellectual level. But what, when it comes down to long-term, you know, longevity of this relationship, are you truly compatible? Does this work? you know, on a a big level. And especially when you start to blend families, you know, there's been research, a lot of research that even says that kids have a harder time adapting to second families than they do even the divorce itself because of the dynamics in there where, you know, you desperately want your biological parent who now you only get to see half the time, but that biological parent is now really invested in their new partner who's also blending in with all these new kids who have to be part of their your family or whatever. And so they find that really hard. Not only is that a, an abandonment situation or experience that they felt during divorce potentially, but now it's even, it's even, you know, man or max or what, not, what the word am I looking for? Like more because you're in this family where you don't get as much of that parent's attention. I don't know how, you know, I, it's interesting. There's a lot of like content and help about dating, especially in the beginning and the apps. But um, 
And I did quite a bit of that and like got better at it. But yeah, speaking about getting into a relationship, I've been in a long-term relationship. I'm not in anymore. And I look at all of like the nuance and complications of it with kids and her kids. And I'm like, I don't know how to do this. How does, you know, it's like, it really is like, you do have to be patient. You have to like be willing to learn, be willing to, you know, see what works and what doesn't. And like, that's a topic that I haven't seen much talk about is like uh, relationships after divorce with kids and they have kids and it's not blend or not blend. And ble- I don't even know what blending entails, but uh, yeah, all these things are, they probably contribute to the fact that like, again, a lot of guys are like, eh, this just works for me. So I'm going to, you know, just sit in this unhappy marriage because they can't even fathom how something else could work. So so yeah, I'm all about like just educating people and and normalizing the fact that like this is really hard mm-hmm. and millions of people are going through it. It's not just you. Yeah. And I love that you brought up that topic of dating after divorce and and trying to navigate that again. So what was that like for you and having another relationship and then now having elements that you're both, you know, cope you're no parenting and you both have your own kids and you both have your own exes. So what was that like to navigate and try to try to establish some kind of stability around. Yeah. I mean, I did the right after divorce. I was less like most guys. First date I went on was like, how long have you been divorced? I was like, three weeks. (laughs) She's like, how old are your kids? I was like, seven, five and two. It's just like, it's almost comedy. I'm like, you have to laugh about it. But yeah, you do have to learn to date. You probably haven't done it in your whole adult life, just because you're in your forties and you're like, Oh, I know what I'm doing. You don't know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Other person you're going out with, she probably doesn't know what she's doing either. And, uh, so yeah, you do have to like, you know, I, I read a great book that I, I want my boys to read called no more Mr. Nice guy by uh, Dr. Robert Glover. And one of the things he says, he's been divorced twice is now remarried again. He's so he's not even the best at it, but he says, it's okay to be a bad picker but you have to become a good ender. And most people are terrible at ending things, business, friendships, relationships. And uh, that's something when you start dating, that's a muscle that you now have to figure out, like, "Eh, I kind of like you and maybe the sex is good, but I don't think this is like a great fit. That's very hard for all of us to do, all of us to receive, all of us to do. Um, So yeah, it's like an entirely new world that you're living in. And then you touched on it, or we, we spoke a little bit about the, okay, now it's successful. Now we're in a relationship. You do have the high, the roller coaster, that's going to be fun. But once that plateaus, which it always will, you have all of these logistics you have to figure out. And look, I mean, I thought, I thought in a lot of ways we had it figured out, but like it didn't work. And that was very surprising to me because I was just like, how do people figure this out? You know, and I, that's why I think like, we need to talk about it more and normalize it and, and educate people that like, this is so, like something you've never done before. You're not the Brady Bunch with as their Alice and she just like handles everything. Yeah. Your life's probably not going to be like that. So be prepared to have some tough conversations and really like uh, it's, it's going to be challenging, but it also could be worth it because it's something, you know, that, Ideally, we do all want to be in like a healthy, successful relationship again. So it's just going to take some work. Yeah, 
Absolutely. It always takes work. And how did you notice yourself as different in that relationship post-divorce as, as you were married? Were there anything that you learned about yourself in that experience? Uh, definitely to speak out more when you don't like something. Like, I think we harbor those things in marriage, especially at the end. And you have to be like, um, this is going to sound uncomfortable, but I didn't really like when this happened. And even if they don't take it well, what I started to learn is like, oh my God, I feel so much better, you know, just getting it off your chest. So almost practice having uncomfortable conversations, which can be challenging because in the dating, in the beginning, everything's usually good. So like you said, you don't even really know how somebody is in a relationship until you get past month nine or whatever, until you have some challenges. So yeah, I think just like start to learn what your needs are, what's important to you and how to express them. And uh, because if you don't, you're just going to get into the same same habits. And the other thing is you're going to learn about how the other person receives it. If they're shut down and walk out, well, that didn't go very well. But maybe that was a sign I needed that this isn't my person. I would have never even got that if we didn't have that uncomfortable talk. Right. There's so many, so many amazing things you can learn being in another relationship. And I think that's where you get to practice all your new skills that you're learning to communicate and how this works and how I'm going to show up differently in this way. And the only way to really do it differently is to try, right? Just to get yourself back out there and give it a shot because you're not going to know otherwise. So it takes a lot of courage to be able to do that and to be able to work through it and know that Maybe this wasn't the right experience, but it was still an experience that you had that you can take a lot from. Yeah, I have so much respect for anybody that is divorced, that's going into dating and relationships because you have to be brave. You have you are going to get rejected. You're going to reject people. There's a resilience that you have to learn. And like you said, I mean, do you want to go through life just like by yourself working on yourself? Like, I think dating and relationships are where you're going to like figure out really who you are. So it might not always end well, but you know, it's, it's still worth it. Yeah, I agree. Rod, this has been so much fun today. I just love talking to you. I could talk about this all day long. <laughs> Tell everyone where they can find you. Yeah. So Instagram, we are at WTF divorce. The website is WTFdivorce.com. I encourage anybody listening, even if you just want to laugh or just like, vent about what you're going through. It's a great platform. It's, I think it's very important to find people that are not your best friends and your family to talk about this stuff with. And that's that's what we try to do at WTF Divorce. Like it's a safe place to talk about the WTF of divorce. Absolutely. And you are absolutely hilarious. So people need to go check you out. Thank you <laughs> so much for being here today. Thanks, Cindy. Thank you for listening to Divorce Redefined, changing the experience of divorce. We hope Cindy and her guests were able to put your mind at ease and help you make the right decision for your marriage. We wish you a beautiful week.